Every day, 500,000 people go online for the first time in their lives. Seven PCs are sold per second. Many are being sold here. Every day, almost 700 petabytes of information join the world's digitally stored data. Pundits say the volume of information created will exceed available storage capacity in 2007. Every day, we wonder how more new devices will connect to the Internet. Mobile devices will more than triple by 2011. Every day, our energy needs increase while our capacity decreases. Half of the Forbes Global 2000 will spend more on energy than on PCs and servers. Every day, more new data centers come online while hidden ones go unused. If you could discover your hidden data centers, you could do more with less. Every day, complexity is increasing faster than we can retool. Are consultants really the answer to complexity? And every day, we are surrounded by the answers. What if we just listened, shared ideas, and simplified IT? If we do, the future is simple. The future is green. The future is flat. The future is virtual. The future is mobile. The future would be pretty cool. Ladies and gentlemen, Lynn A. Tyson, Vice President, Investor Relations. Uh, good morning, everyone, and welcome to our annual meeting for calendar year 2008. I'd like to welcome to the stage Michael Dell, Chairman and CEO, and Don Carty, Vice Chairman and CFO, and uh, turn the program over to Michael right now. All right, good morning, and welcome, everyone, to Dell's annual meeting of stockholders. I'm Michael Dell, Chairman and Chief Executive Officer, and this meeting is being webcast at dell.com slash investor, so I'd also like to welcome those of you who are joining us today online. And this meeting is now called to order. Here in the front with me also is Don Carty, our Vice Chairman and Chief Financial Officer. I'm pleased to report that all of our directors are present today and seated in the first few rows along with several members of our executive management team. Also in attendance are several representatives from PricewaterhouseCoopers, our independent auditors, and they'll be available for questions later in the meeting. I've asked Lynn Tyson, our Vice President of Investor Relations, to help with the formal items of business for today's meeting. So I'd now like to invite her to present our official business. Lynn? Thanks, Michael. Before I introduce the official business, I'd like to call to your attention our announcement this morning. Uh, we announced that our board of directors has authorized a $10 billion share repurchase program. We expect the company to resume its share repurchase program shortly. In addition, we're pleased to announce our new investor relations blog, Dell Shares, offering current and future shareholders, as well as the public at large, the opportunity to join the conversation about Dell's strategy, performance, and results. 
The blog enables people to have a direct conversation with Dell Investor Relations online, enhancing our ability to communicate with everyone worldwide. We have received an affidavit from Broadridge Financial Solutions, Inc., certifying that written notice of the meeting, along with related proxy materials, were timely made were made available on the Internet to stockholders of record on October 26th. Therefore, this meeting has been duly called. Jennifer Flynn of Broadridge and Stephanie Dedman, a senior corporate legal assistant, will be acting as voting inspector for today's meeting. They have certified that over 91% of the outstanding shares are represented here today, either by person or in proxy. Therefore, a quorum is present. We have five proposals to vote on today. Proposal one, election of directors. Our board currently consists of 11 director positions. The nominees for those positions are Michael Dell, Don Cardi, Bill Gray, Sally Krawcheck, A.G. Lafley, Judy Lewent, Tom Luce, Klaus Luth, Alex Mandel, Michael Miles, and Sam Nunn. Each of these nominees is currently serving as a director, and biographical information about each nominee is set forth in the proxy statement. The Board of Directors has recommended that stockholders vote for all nominees. Proposal 2, ratification of independent auditor. The Audit Committee of the Board has selected PricewaterhouseCoopers to serve as Dell's independent auditor for fiscal 2008, and the Board is asking shareholders to ratify this selection. The Board of Directors has recommended stockholders vote for ratification of the selection of PricewaterhouseCoopers. Proposal 3, Approval of the amended and restated 2002 long-term incentive plan. We are proposing a few amendments to our long-term incentive plan. Those amendments, as well as a description of the plan itself, can be found in the proxy statement. The Board of Directors has recommended that stockholders vote for the approval of the incentive plan. We also have two proposals that have been submitted by stockholders. Stockholder Proposal 1, Executive Stock Ownership Guidelines. The American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees Pension Plan has requested that a proposal regarding the adoption of a stock ownership requirement for executive officers be presented for stockholder vote at this meeting. The exact text of the proposal, along with the AFS-CME Pension Plan's supporting statement, appear in a proxy statement. The AFS-CME Pension Plan is represented here today by Mr. Scott Adams, and I would like to invite Mr. Adams to come to... Uh, the audience microphone to present the proposal to this meeting. Mr. Adams. Fellow stockholders and members of the board, thank you for the opportunity to speak. My name is Scott Adams, and I'm representing the AFSCME Employees Pension Plan. I'm also an owner of Dell Shares. I hereby move stockholder proposal one, asking our company to adopt the holding policy for shares acquired through exercising stock options. Put simply, this proposal asks that our executives hold on to three-quarters of shares acquired through stock option exercises after deducting any shares needed to pay their taxes. We firmly believe the stock ownership causes CEOs to, equally, to be equally concerned about gains and losses, whereas stock options encourage CEOs to think primarily about upside potential and little about downside. Others agree the influential proxy advisor institutional shareholder services supports our stock retention proposal. Equity-based compensation is made up a substantial portion of senior executive compensation at Dell, comprising 79% of annual compensation according to this year's proxy. 
We believe this high percentage of option-based pay presents potential risks, causing executives to swing for the fences with no fear of striking out. A recent academic study found that the higher percentage of CEO pay represented by stock option grants, the more extreme the firm's financial performance, particularly stock performance. The study found that big losses were more common than big gains under high levels of stock option pay. According to the proxy, Senior Vice President Paul Bell owns 7,761 shares outright, which comprises approximately 33% of his salary, and yet he owns over 3.8 million options. His ownership stake of shares owned is two-tenths of 1% of the number of options he holds. And Senior Vice President Stephen Felice owns 16,106 shares outright, which comprises approximately 80% of his salary, yet he owns over 894,000 options. His ownership stake of shares owned is 1.8% of the number of options he holds. We believe that the alignment benefits touted by Dell are not being fully realized. Requiring senior executives to hold a significant portion of shares obtained through compensation plans would focus them on Dell's long-term success and help align their interests with those of Dell's stockholders. Many companies have adopted holding requirements for equity-based compensation to go along with traditional ownership guidelines. Bristol-Myers, Citigroup, Wachovia, Time Warner, and Morgan Stanley all do. We believe adding holding period guidelines to Dell's executive stock ownership guidelines would address the practice of the exercise and sale of stock options purportedly designed to link stockholder and executive interests. Equity compensation sold wholesale removed this linkage of interest. As long-term Dell stockholders, we believe it's critical and essential for compensation programs to give our executives the proper incentive to manage for our company's long-term interests. We urge stockholders to vote for this proposal. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Adams. As we noted in the proxy statement, the Board of Directors has recommended that stockholders vote against this proposal, and Dell includes its statement in opposition in the proxy statement. Stockholder proposal number two, declaration of dividend. Another one of our stockholders, Mrs. Linda Bush, has requested that a proposal regarding the declaration of a dividend be presented for stockholder vote at this meeting. The exact text of the proposal, along with Mrs. Bush's support statement, appear in our proxy statement. I'd like to invite Mrs. Bush to present her proposal to this meeting. Okay. Um, my proposal on page 20 of the proxy statement, uh, basically uh, I'm going to uh, give that to you and then uh, some of my ideas uh, plus uh, with this. The well-respected Wharton economist Jeremy Siegel explained that paying dividends is the old-fashioned, time-tested way companies show investors that earnings are real and their bottom line is strong. Dividends provide certainty about the company's financial well-being, and they are also an attractive tool for investors looking to secure current income. More recently, companies without a dividend history are generally received favorably when they declare new dividends because of our uh, new laws, uh, new tax laws on dividends, and also uh, because uh, companies paying dividends are just held in better regard rather than others. And since Dell is a large uh, company now, I feel like it's time. 
Now, I'm deviating, deviating a little bit from my statement, but in addition, the percentage of the large companies uh, establishing dividends for the first time is significantly higher than it had been in the past. The majority of Dell's components, competitors, all paid dividends. And, and this is true. Uh, you can go to page 27 on your proxy statement. And uh, these are 35 companies that Dell regards as their peer group. And they, they look to these uh, companies for uh, guidelines for executive compensation and other ideas. And all but two of these 35 companies pay dividends. And they're all large companies just like Dell is now. Dividends in mature companies that are no longer growing as rapidly as they have in the past have been a major component of growth in an investor's return uh, once the reinvestment in growth and returning capital to stockholders and managing dilution uh, through stock repurchase programs. Now, as a more mature company with significant cash reserves, the time is right to declare a dividend. Now, some of my other thoughts on this are, um, with the recent uh, improvement of Dell's sales growth, as well as the uncertainty of future revenue projections, the time is now to reward current and future stockholders with a dividend. I have been a stockholder since December of 90. So uh, myself and a number of these other stockholders I've talked to all feel this way, and I'm sure there's others that feel this way too. A dividend sends a strong signal to the investing public of a more vibrant and financially sound company. With more aging investors, that's, now that's not including myself because I don't age, seeking consistent income from dividend-paying stocks offering out a dividend to shareholders and in, uh, would increase demand for Dell in the future. Now, the other day, uh, Dell, uh, this was on Thursday, announced their third quarter fiscal earnings. And uh, everything went up. Uh, the revenue was up. The earnings were up. Uh, the... Uh, uh, overseas earnings were up 46%. Um, but somehow or another, the stock went down uh, 14% that day uh, after hours trading, and then the next morning, the next day, the stock was down 14%. And then on uh, uh, Monday, yesterday, the stock was down another 2.5%. Uh, why is this happening? I know we're in a turnaround, but I know that if uh, Dell were paying a dividend right now along with their, uh, their buyback program, such as their two major competitors are doing, that's HP and IBM, uh, we wouldn't have this downturn in the stock. Uh, last year at this time, the stock was over $25, and uh, Yesterday, it closed at 23.96. Now, something is wrong. I know this, Michael uh, and Mr. Carney, thank you, I've never met you, uh, are trying to turn the company around. But what we need is a repurchase um, 
buyback and a dividend combination. We, we, we definitely, definitely need that. Um, I, I can't emphasize it enough. Um, also, I would like to see more creativity, bringing out more new products, uh, different and better than your competitors, and more emphasis on research and development. I understand, I, I talked to several people before the meeting this morning, that you're definitely, definitely getting on to this. And I believe you just bought a company for over $1 billion called Ecologic, and it is uh, designed with your storage units. So I, I think this is wonderful, but please, I'd like to have more emphasis on research and development. I'd like to see an iPod, something like, you know, on, not an iPod, but something on the order that your competitor Apple did where people have to stand in line to buy your product. I mean, this would give you all this free advertising, uh, and that free advertising plus your uh, advertising you just announced, consolidating it all into one company, uh, would give you so, so much exposure. Uh, and I, I just can't say enough about that. Also, I commend you on your direct model from the, uh, on the deviation, uh, putting uh, the, uh, your, your company products in stores such as Sam's, Staples, and Walmart. I've had uh, Office Max, Office Depot, and Best Buy ask me to please ask to distribute their products. Uh, and I think this is wonderful. The more, the more stores you have, I, I, I just feel like it will be so good. Last year I mentioned a general house cleaning, and I uh, did not realize, little did I know, that it was going to be more than general. Uh, I know that your new team you feel is the most wonderful, and I commend you for that. Uh, but I also appreciated some of your old employees, but I know that you're going to move forward as companies have to do. Uh, so anyway, I would strongly urge uh, uh, us stockholders to please consider a dividend. If we don't get it this year, at least we'll get stronger in our appeal for it. And perhaps uh, now that the P.E. is 18.4, and uh, Dell is more of a value company now. It's not a large growth company. It's a large value company. Or it could be a combination such as a core. And uh, fund managers and uh, stock managers uh, are really, really touting these large companies. Um, you are a large company now, and I think this is a time that we should definitely, definitely consider dividends to keep ourselves stronger and more in the public eye. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mrs. Bush. As we noted in the proxy statement, the Board of Directors has recommended that stockholders vote against this proposal, and Dell included its statement in opposition in the proxy statement. We will officially close the voting on all of the proposals at 8.30 a.m., so if you haven't yet voted your shares, please make your way now to the back of the room at the voting inspector's table, and you can uh, file your proxy there. I would now like to introduce Don Cardi, Vice Chairman and Chief Financial Officer, who will offer a few thoughts on our financial performance and goals. Then Michael will give us his perspective on our company, where we've been, and where we're going. 
Before we turn to our presentation, I'd like to remind you that all statements made during this meeting that relate to future events and results are forward-looking statements that are based on current expectations. Actual results could differ materially from those projected in the forward-looking statements because of a number of risks and uncertainties which are discussed in our annual and quarterly SCC filings and in the cautionary statement contained in our press release and on our website. And I'd now like to turn it over to Don. Thanks, Lynn, and good morning. It's great to be with you again, the owners of our company. Michael and I are very excited about the company and the opportunities that we see in front of it. We've got passionate, driven employees, really great relationships with our customers and our partners, and a very clear view of where we're going as a company. But first thing this morning, I want to address your concerns surrounding our internal investigation of our financial control practices. Put very simply, we're not proud of some of the issues that we've discovered. But we are committed to remediating the issues and improving our level of financial control. We're improving our financial reporting systems. We're imposing more rigor and discipline in our processes. And we're improving the knowledge and the experience of our finance and accounting team. Bottom line, I am proud of this company. I've been on the board since 1992. In that, and in that time, I've seen Dell do some incredible things. Incredible things for this industry and its customers. Every executive, every board member, and every employee in the company is committed to building on our success and to do so in a way that we can all be very proud. And we're building from a very strong foundation of growth. For 23 years, Dell has simplified and lowered costs for customers while expanding opportunities. The result, we're the only tech company to scale organically from 30 to $60 billion in just five years. And now we're planning for the next 23 years and beyond. And I think this really is one of the most exciting times in the history of this company. Thus far, I think we've had pretty good traction over the first three quarters of this year. Our goal is to deliver strong cash flow over time. That's the number one driver of shareholder value. And to do this, we'll grow faster than the industry, and I believe we have plenty of opportunity to grow. We'll execute against five strategic priorities that Michael's going to address in a moment. Each one of those priorities represents a multi-billion dollar revenue, profit, and cash flow opportunity. We'll improve our profitability through product and service margins, cost reductions, improving our mix, and lowering operating expenses. And we'll pursue more global strategic partnerships to become more competitive and reach more of our customers. As Lynn mentioned a few moments ago, the board of directors authorized the $10 billion repurchase of our stock. This underscores our commitment as a board to creating long-term value for our shareholders. This isn't about quick fixes or short-term goals. We are committed to creating long-term value. And as we execute against our priorities, we're going to be operating by these principles. We'll focus on growing faster than the addressable opportunity. 
And I might add, we'll compensate our executive team based on their ability to drive results against those priorities. We'll maximize long-term cash flow. Dell is always focused on driving strong cash flow as it is core to creating shareholder value. And we will communicate directly, candidly, and transparently with all of you. Investors that I talk to say that they want to understand our long-term strategy and opportunities. So we will make those very clear. Again, I believe this is a very exciting time for it to be at Dell. We're focused on Dell's success for the long term and believe that we've identified five really great opportunities to deliver shareholder value. And to talk more about those priorities, I'll bring Michael back to the podium. Thanks. Thank you, Don. Good morning, everyone, and thank you again for joining us today. Twenty-three years ago, I started our company in a dorm room at the University of Texas, and it was based on a simple idea to build direct relationships with customers, listen to them, and deliver what they want. And it created the power of direct. Twenty-three years later, we're operating by the same principles of listening and delivering for customers. This has helped us grow rapidly. By having a direct relationship with customers, we're uniquely positioned in the industry. So I've been back as the CEO for 308 days, 308 action-packed days, let me tell you. We've made tremendous progress to put in place all the things that we need to serve our customers well and ensure that Dell can grow profitably for the long term. We've built the industry's strongest leadership team. Our revenues in the last quarter were up 9% year-over-year, the fastest in four quarters. And we've had strong year-over-year revenue growth in emerging countries like Brazil at 45%, 47% growth in India, 22% growth in China, and more than 70% growth in Russia. We've got the coolest products in Dell's history, like the XPS-1, the incredible XPS M1330, the XPS M1730, and Inspirons in eight colors. We've entered new channels with retail partners to meet our customers where they are. And, of course, we're doing our part to preserve the earth that we all share. So right now, we're at the dawn of the connected age, where billions are connected all the time, anywhere, on billions of devices. Every day, 500,000 people log into the Internet for the very first time in their lives. And by 2011, 2 billion people will be online, and 4 billion people will be connected with cell phones. And many of these users are in new emerging countries like Russia, India, and China. And these are new users with new requirements, new needs, and perspectives. And they're driving massive demand for devices. It's hard to go anywhere in the world and not see somebody online with a phone, a PDA, or a notebook. And to keep up with this demand, Dell ships about 140,000 computers per day. That's more than one per second. This connected age also marks a new era for the Internet, the social network. And we're a key part of that network. In a given year, we have conversations with about one billion of our customers. No other technology company has so many conversations. Increasingly, those conversations take place online, 
on sites like IdeaStorm, direct to Dell, and in our community forums. And we interact with about 3 million customers every single day. We even power the very fabric that these conversations take place upon in the total Internet. The top six Internet companies run on Dell. So while the trends in the consumer business are important to our growth strategy, only about 15% of Dell's business is currently with consumers. The bulk of our business is with businesses and organizations worldwide. But consumerization is having a huge impact on the enterprise. Think about instant messaging and how that has moved from the consumer into the office. Similarly, as consumers look for cooler designs on their home computers, like the XPS one that we just introduced, they'll look for similar features on their systems at the office. This is a trend we're following very closely. So just as the number of devices are growing, so too are the number of small and medium-sized businesses around the world. Today, there are 67 million small businesses worldwide. 85% of those are outside of North America. And tens of millions of additional small businesses will open up around the world each year. Technology has eradicated the barriers of entry for creating a new business. And we're very proud to play a role in that. We'll manage the IT so they can manage their business. So now all these new users and new businesses are creating an explosion of data. Last year, the world generated 161 exabytes of data. The average Fortune 1000 company has one petabyte of data. That's about a 50-fold increase in the last three years. By 2011, the world's data will have grown six-fold to one zettabyte. Now, how much is a zettabyte? This is more than all the grains of sand on all the beaches in the world. Uh, it's also one trillion gigabytes, for those of you who are mathematically inclined. So all this data is driving unprecedented demand for servers, which power the Internet, and the storage to house the world's most critical and valuable data. Today, Dell is the leading server supplier in the United States, the world's largest country where servers are sold, and number two worldwide. And we ship more servers than Sun and IBM combined. And our storage business grew 24% in the second quarter, the fastest growth among the top five. Our focus on enterprise is one reason we're the number one technology partner to businesses worldwide, and we'll continue to focus in this area. But the downside of all this demand and growth is the complexity associated with it. More users, more devices, and more data is making a pretty complex environment for the IT department. Today's businesses spend about 70% of their resource just maintaining IT, leaving only about 30% to innovate and improve their operations. So the way we see it, we really have two choices. Either we can breed more people to staff the world's IT departments, or we can make the technology itself easier to manage. So at Dell, we're simplifying IT. This is the best way that we see to drive value for our customers of all sizes. And over the years, we've simplified supply chain and manufacturing and created a revolution. Now we're simplifying IT. It's a similar revolution and one that we're uniquely qualified to pursue. 
Making things simple is in our DNA. And simplifying IT has great benefits for the planet. The potential power savings alone and carbon reduction is really exciting. And we've made green a priority at Dell with energy efficient products, a commitment to be carbon neutral by the end of 2008, our plant a forest and plant a tree for me programs, and offering worldwide free recycling for consumers, the only company to do that in our industry. It's not enough that Dell or any company is an environmental leader. Owning green is not our goal. Our goal is to get everyone to own green. With that in mind, please take a look at this video that our team put together. For generations and generations, there have been, well, generations. In the 1920s, Gertrude Stein and a group of American artists traveled to Paris and became known as the Lost Generation. The 1950s brought with it the Beat Generation. Poets chanting in Greenwich Village, jazz like Cool Daddy O. The Love Generation blossomed in the 60s when flower power ruled. From swinging London to seductive Paris, all the way to the streets of San Francisco, it was the age of Aquarius. Power to the people. End the war now. Don't trust anyone over 30. Then the love generation actually turned 30 itself and became the me generation. As in, it's all about me. As in more cars, more house, more expensive trips and more boats. But thank goodness, somewhere, somehow, not too long ago, a lot of the me generation started becoming the re-generation. So did Gen X and Gen Y. Even the greatest generation is transforming. The regeneration cares about the environment. They want to deliver a better world to their children and their children's children. Regardless of their age, regardless of what country they call home, and despite geographic differences, they are gathering. Put simply, it's not about me anymore. It's about us. And it's about now. And it's about time. The regeneration listens. We listen to the marketplace. We listen to our customers. We listen to the planet. We are a group of people who recycle all the time, even when no one is looking. Reduce the chemicals we use, the energy we consume. Re-engineer the way we work to unlock innovation. Retool our products to decrease power consumption. Rethink why we ever let complexity invade our lives in the first place. Reinforce our commitment to be carbon neutral. Reunite our global IT community to act like one and make a difference. Refuse to compromise on doing what is right. If you want to give back in ways large and small, then you can be part of the most powerful generation of all, the regeneration. Join us. There are no committees, no fancy speeches, no bureaucracy, just actions and meaningful changes to rebuild and re-energize our planet.
It's been an incredibly busy year. And as a result, we can clearly see where our customers' needs are and where the biggest opportunities for Dell lie. So this is where we're focused on and where we're executing. Global consumer, small and medium business, emerging countries, notebooks, and enterprise solutions that make IT simpler. The power of direct has made us a culture of listeners. The future looks complicated, but by listening to customers, we know how to simplify it. Thus, our future looks really good for Dell, for our customers, and for the owners of our company. With that, I'll hand it back over to Lynn. Thanks, Michael. Uh, the polls are now closed, and the voting inspectors have informed me of the preliminary results. With respect to Proposal 1, election of directors, the number of favorable votes cast for each nominee was at least 86% of the votes cast. Therefore, each of the named nominees has been selected, has been elected to serve on the board until next year's annual meeting. With respect to Proposal 2, ratification of independent auditor, the number of favorable votes cast was 93% of the total votes cast, and therefore the stockholders have ratified the selection of Price Waterhouse Coopers as Dell's independent auditor for the current fiscal year. With respect to Proposal 3, approval of the amended and restated long-term incentive plan, the number of favorable votes cast was 91% of the total votes cast, and therefore the stockholders have approved the amended and restated incentive plan. With respect to Stockholder Proposal 1, Executive Ownership Guidelines, of the total votes cast, 28% were voted for the proposal and 70% were voted against. Therefore, Stockholder Proposal 1 has failed to receive a sufficient number of favorable votes and has not been approved by the stockholders. With respect to Stockholder Proposal 2, Declaration of Dividend, of the total votes cast, 6% were for the proposal, and 92% were against. Therefore, Stockholder Proposal 2 has failed to receive a sufficient number of favorable votes and has not been approved by stockholders. Now I'd like to turn uh, this meeting back over to Michael for official adjournment and then Q&A. All right. Okay, thank you, Lynn. So that concludes our official business, so I now declare the official meeting be adjourned. So we'd like to take this opportunity to take some questions. For those of you who in the room, if you have a question, please make your way to one of the microphones located in the aisles. And for those of you who are listening on the webcast, please send us your questions via email, and we'll work to bring some of those into the mix. So I'm going to go ahead and join Don at the table here. If you have a question, please proceed to the microphone. Yeah, my name is Dennis Dady, former employee. Um, I want to know what percentage of the stock buyback plan will be actually used to retire shares and what percentage is this used to offset stock options? Thank you. Let's see. Uh, if you think about our share repurchase program over the last 
uh, several years, we have uh, significantly reduced the number of shares, so it would be significantly in excess of the, the number of shares issued. Yeah, I, I don't have the pre uh, precise numbers, and of course the number of shares we buy back will depend a little bit on the market price, but uh, as Michael says, it's, a, it's substantially, substantially in excess of, uh, of any options that are currently outstanding. Yes, my name is Rand McDonald, shareholder. Um, I have, uh, like Ms. Bush, come to these meetings for a number of years, and I'm sure a few of us long-timers here in the room uh, kind of missed the heyday when the Austin Convention Center barely held this meeting. Um, for the last three years, I've gotten up and spoken on the subject of stock options, and it was something not very many people were talking about three years ago. And I made the comments then that we were on a path that was going to create problems down the road if we didn't, uh, as a company, have a more open and honest uh, reporting of stock options. Um, I told the prior CFO three years ago that you stand up there every year and tell us how many shares you repurchased, but shares outstanding had not decreased in five years. Well, now in the last three years, shares outstanding have decreased because the share price has been so low that it hasn't been worthwhile for the recipients a lot of those option grants to exercise them. So as a result, yes, share purchases now are decreasing outstanding shares. New options, however, are still being granted at these low prices, and the next time, if there is a next time, that the stock recovers, there will be significant option exercises again. And so we will have that hurdle to overcome again every year uh, and how many shares do we have to buy back just to stay even? Particularly of concern was the note uh, on page 10 in the proxy report that states that on July 21, 2006, the date of the board meeting, uh, all these stock options were granted. Now, for those of you who were at that board meeting, you'll remember people were passing around cell phones and Blackberries and everything else. We were in a bit of shock because that was the morning that the company announced they were not going to uh, achieve their revenue and earnings forecast for the quarter. The stock plunged to $19 a share that morning. And it's a bit concerning that that's the day the board of directors chose to grant themselves 300 shares of stock options. So I'm not saying anything illegal was done, but if you, uh, as insiders of the company, buy stock, when you're in possession of material non-public information that you know is going to make the stock go up, that's illegal. Now, to me, if you make an announcement that you know is going to drive the stock down and then choose that day to grant yourself hundreds of thousands of stock options, it may not be illegal, but it doesn't quite pass the smell test. So I would suggest to the members of the Compensation Committee, take a hard look at the decisions you're making, give some serious thought to your potential uh, fiduciary responsibilities and liabilities in the amounts and dates of the granting of future, future options. Thanks for your comments. I, I just respond by saying, uh, consistent with, with, with trends in industry in general, uh, this company has reduced options as a percentage of total compensation, both for, for uh, the executive leadership team and, and for the board. 
um, and, and I, I believe our, our, our uh, compensation policies are pretty consistent with those across industry. Um, the, other, the other thing I would observe, uh, we, we know that it's been a troubled period, just would underscore the fact that uh, for, for uh, the, the fiscal year 2007 at Dell, no bonuses were paid to anybody in the executive leadership team. And on a cumulative basis, our share repurchase program has retired 1.5 billion shares of stock. Yes, Don and Michael, this next question from the Internet. Last Thursday, you announced your results for the third quarter. Your revenue and earnings were up significantly year on year, but your stock price went down over 15% over the last two trading days. Could you give us your perspective on why that happened? Well, you know, um, difficult for us to, to know exactly what, what, you know, what, what a short-term market reaction may or may not be. But, uh, you know, our earnings per share were up 27% uh, during the quarter. Uh, it was the fastest growth that we've had in four quarters. Uh, and our business uh, is certainly strengthening in a number of critical areas, uh, mobility, up 19%, business in uh, Asia up strongly, uh, brick country revenues up 32%. And I think, uh, you know, the confidence that you see from our board of directors is demonstrated by the uh, additional approval to repurchase $10 billion worth of our company stock. Hi, Scott Adams with the AFSCME Pension Plan. Uh, on our proposal, we received 28% uh, of the vote to, for the, asking the company to have a retention policy. That's a fairly significant uh, level of support, and I'm hoping in the future the company is interested in continuing to meet with shareholders to uh, discuss how to improve the ownership and retention policy. Um, I, I just would really like to commend Dell on the, on the regeneration, your environmental leadership. The, the video is a really really great thing. You should be commended for that. But I'd like to go from regen to recoup and ask what the company is doing uh, to recoup the losses uh, that shareholders had from the accounting irregularities where bonuses were paid for uh, numbers that really weren't met. Let me, if I could, uh, uh, re respond to that. As I said in my comments, we were not terribly proud of what we discovered as part of this internal review. And it did result in a restatement. Um, the good news, of course, for us and our shareholders is that restatement was, well, was relatively modest and was largely um, moving money back and forth between a couple of years. The other good news is that uh, as far as any executive compensation was concerned, that restatement would not have affected any of the bonuses paid in those years. So, again, not, not a comment to excuse what we discovered. Uh, we're not proud of it and we're fixing it, but it really would not have affected executive compensation in any of those years. Michael and Don, uh, this question again from the Internet. How does Dell plan to differentiate its products and profitably grow in emerging markets? Will Dell need to accept lower margins in the emerging markets in order to capture the growth? For example, the two largest competitors, Lenovo and Acer, operate at roughly 1% to 2% operating margins. 
You know, we have in the last five years grown a business outside the United States from about uh, $10 billion to $25 billion. So it's a much larger business than it was five years ago. And uh, it's gone from about 6 million units a year to about 18 million units a year. And certainly when you go to these new emerging countries, the requirements for success uh, in those countries are different. The amount of money they can spend, the type of, uh, type of product that they want, uh, fashion and uh, trends around styling are different. And you know, we are essentially building our business to be successful in those countries. Uh, the very good news is that our profit growth you know, uh, that we're seeing from outside the United States has also been uh, quite strong. And so uh, we focused on emerging countries because we believe with 85% of the world's population, the next billion uh, PC users coming online represents an enormous opportunity. It's also important to remember that every time somebody goes online, they also consume more data in the form of servers and storage. And you know, Dell is providing the server and storage infrastructure, for example, to the leading Internet companies in China. Uh, and that is not only providing uh, you know, users who use PCs, but also users who use uh, cell phones in China, which, of course, is growing at about, uh, I think, uh, six or seven million new cell phone users per month in China. And, and enterprise is one of the things that differentiates us from some of the competitors you mentioned, that it, it's, it's actually quite a high margin business. Great. I think we'll take another question from the Internet. This is actually, um, we've actually received several questions on this. So and uh, for those of you that are listening online, I'm combining a few here. There's about three questions on this. Um, over what time period do you, do you expect to complete your $10 billion share repurchase program? Do you expect to fund the repurchase program entirely from cash on hand and free cash flow, or will you consider issuing debt? Um, we, are, we are intentionally not being specific about the time frame and, and will not be specific about the time frame. I think if you look at Dell's history, we, we've had a history of executing against stock buyback programs that, that we've, um, we've announced in the past. And I think, I think at this point we'll leave it at that. Uh, uh, let, let me just say that uh, the company uh, has, has got higher cash balances today than almost ever in its history. Its cash balances are at, at almost $15 billion. And uh, we've been generating cash at about the rate of a billion dollars a quarter. Uh, in, for the last uh, for the last three quarters, so I think we're fairly confident of, of our cash balances. That's not to preclude the possibility that we won't use debt as part of our capital structure, but the company's got got excellent liquidity at this point and, and excellent prospects for liquidity. Thank you. Thank you. At this point, I think I'd like to turn it back over to Michael. Okay, so. We want to, again, thank you for, for coming. This uh, uh, concludes the Q&A portion of the meeting, and we look forward to seeing you again soon.